reality is spiritual. His truth is his truth. And if we can align with God's reality, we will finally be living by reality. Thank God for the sun, right? I think I was under attack yesterday and I was thinking, I was thinking, I know this fog's going to lift. I know this is going to lift and it never did. And it's like, well, this is not helping. So when I woke up this morning and there was sun, it was like, oh, thank God. <laughs> it's those heartfelt prayers where you groan, thank you, God, <laughs> right? Start with me in Ephesians chapter 2. I'm just going to um, read a verse before I even introduce anything here. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 19. And here it says, Now therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members in the household of God. I didn't let you finish turning, did I? I'll give you a second. But fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building, being fitted together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. That's good news, right? And with thanksgiving coming, you know, I'm... Two things I believe God has on my heart this morning. One is I believe that he wants to give us a word, something to, be, to, to make the thanksgiving in our heart, this thanksgiving, even more tremendous. Do you know that, that real thankfulness comes from accuracy? Because God is, God is so good that knowing him accurately just causes thanksgiving to rise up in us right so that's the first thing we're going to do and i think if you know how i am you if we have time and we make it um there's a challenging word in here too we'll just see how far we get um but i want to talk about what's going on in our world right now okay um do you know that um god is not separated from the physical right it was his idea to give you a physical body to make the earth and put you on it and have interactions going on between nations interactions in your family and and things are going on and they scream physical realities is that do you know that that's the truth okay and right now, if you're at all in touch with what's going on in the world, in fact, probably even if you're out of touch, you're going to know most of these things that I'm going to mention. Do, do you realize how big citizenship, the concept of citizenship is in our world right now? <laughs> it's almost unbelievable. We're like inundated with thoughts on citizenship, right? I'm going to bring up three that, that I'm pretty sure you're aware of what's going on. You know, this caravan there's, there's somewhere in the ballpark of, depending on what you read, 14,000 people coming up from South America on this journey. Now, don't worry. Don't get scared. I'm not going to get political. We're not going to talk about your stance on it or anything else. I just want to put out there what's going on here. You've got 14,000 people that have a hope of entry or becoming a citizen of a better kingdom. And you can't blame them for that. I'm going to tell you that screams something of God's truth. It is hardwired in us to be citizens in a good kingdom. 
Amen? Okay, that's what's going on there. Now I'm going to mention another one, and this one blows me away because it's not in the news, and the only reason it really came on my radar screen is um, because um, Pastor Sally Schiff, the, in the, um, uh, how do you say the word of their congregation? Hamayan, Hamayan congregation in Israel, who spoke a few weeks ago here, she sent updates and apparently they're, they're in such an incredible conflict, or were in such an incredible conflict, they were sending missiles every 30 seconds. They were sending a missile. Now they're in a ceasefire at the moment, causing all kinds of other uprisings. Um, but the point is, is what are they fighting over? They're fighting over who's the, who's the legitimate citizen. Who's, whose kingdom is this? Whose land is this? And then, on top of that, you're probably aware of this one too, the, the big, um, it's not a new dispute, but it certainly has kind of been brought to the forefront. In this nation, we're fighting over birthright citizenship, right? What our law says if you're born under parents that are completely in submission to the local government or something to that effect, then um, we have birthright citizen, you're citizenship. You're automatically a citizen. So the argument here over um, where do you draw that line? You know, if a tourist comes over and they just happen to have a birth while they're over here, is that what this is talking about? Or, and wherever you stand, you have to acknowledge that citizenship cries out in the heart of a person and that was God's idea citizenship now I think an accurate understanding of citizenship knowing about God's ideas of citizenship is gonna is gonna fill our hearts with um, the kind of Thanksgiving that that leads to our blessing and so we're gonna we're gonna go into looking at God's citizenship we already read about it your fellow citizens with the Saints and members in his household right are you thankful to be a citizen? It's great to be a citizen of the United States. What a, what a gift um, this country is. But pale compared to being a citizen of the kingdom of God. <laughs> Amen. The, and I should put this out there. The truth is that, um, so citizenship is argued over in the kingdoms of this world all the time. Even like I mentioned, right here, right here in this nation, we're arguing over it. But you know that happens in the church too? We argue over, you'll get churches in the church, we argue over what's the entry to citizenship, right? But one thing any truly Christian denomination will not argue over, and we're going to look at this today, is that kingdom citizenship in the eternal kingdom is birthright citizenship. And there's a reason for that. So... We're going to look at that. We're going to do this by looking at um, a story that the Lord had me see in a different way than I ever have before. It's a, it's a man who has an encounter with Jesus. Do you know that that's the only way we're transformed? <laughs> in the presence of God. We don't study hard enough or pray enough or do all the right things. We're transformed by the presence of God, by encounter with Jesus. That's what this story is. Go with me to John chapter 3. And uh, while you're turning there, I'm just going to introduce this. Otherwise, I'll move on too fast and you won't make it. <laughs> this is um, Nicodemus, is this man, okay? Now, I just want to tell you, and it's going to be right in the text, but he's a Pharisee and he's on the Sanhedrin, 
okay? It's important to understand that. In other words, what does this mean? He's a Pharisee. He's an expert in the law. He's a set-apart one who's a little bit better than the rest of the people because he understands the deep things of God. Let him tell you about the deep things of God, okay? He's also on, um, the, in the passage here in verse 1, it'll say, the ruler of the Jews, okay? He's a, he's a ruler, not the ruler, a ruler of the Jews. This is referring to the Sanhedrin. The easiest way to understand this, this is basically their Supreme Court. He's a Supreme Court judge for Israel, okay? So he's a very sophisticated man. So Jesus is going to have this, <laughs> I appreciate that laugh. <laughs> Jesus is going to have this encounter with him, okay? And here in verse 1 it says, There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come of God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. So I can't help myself but do a small rabbit trail from the main topic here. Um, you just can't pass over this. How does Nicodemus know that he's a man from God? Science. Because of the signs. Because he's manifesting the kingdom of God. Right? He's, he's the walking kingdom of God and they are seeing it on him. They're seeing the kingdom of God. That's how they know. How do they know that you are from God? The same way, right? Jesus, we are called to the same ministry as Jesus, okay? We are to be manifestors of the kingdom of God. They're supposed to look at you and say, I can tell you've been with Jesus, right? Okay, I couldn't pass over that. So, um, so Nicodemus comes to Jesus and he, he knows some things. He knows that Jesus is from God because of what's going on through Jesus. And uh, Jesus answered and said to him, now listen to this, most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And I know that you've heard that before. It used to be all the, all the rage, right? Um, 10, 20 years ago, most of Christianity, it was, I mean, there was even strange conversations about being born again, right? You'd have a conversation, two, two Christians would be talking and one would say, are you Christian? Yeah, I'm a Christian. Oh, you're a Christian too? Cool. Are you born again? Like as if it's possible to be a Christian and not be born again or something. We've done all kinds of strange things with this. But now, now here's what I want to point out. You, real, you recognize Jesus when he says this. He's going to have a sophisticated conversation with a sophisticated man. Okay, That's what's, that's what's about to happen here, which recognize with me that that is a little, um, that is unique. Mostly Jesus didn't go around and have lots of sophisticated conversations. There are places where he did. Like another one, um, he's got a crowd of people following him and, and it's the time when he says, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you'll not see the kingdom of God or you'll not enter the kingdom, right? And that was right about the moment when a whole bunch of the followers left him and followed him no more. He started talking crazy, sophisticated, deep stuff. They, could, they couldn't go with him there. Notice that's also a kingdom entry passage, citizenship. Okay, but here he answers and says, and says, unless one is born again. Okay, now I think, in fact, I more than think, I know that God gave us many metaphors for understanding our entry in this present kingdom. 
being one who has the kingdom within. Why do you give us many metaphors? I think it is so outside of us that in order to even begin to give us glimpses of his plans for his kingdom in our life, he has to give us many metaphors. So the challenge I put out there this morning is that is this just a uh, is this just a random that he chose? Well, one way I could picture this for you so that you can see it is that you have to be born again. Or is there insight, deep insight in why he chose that metaphor that's so life-changing that it'll cause thankfulness to blow out of you? When you understand why he chose to, to illustrate this spiritual truth with a physical metaphor that this is the entry of the kingdom. Not by application or amnesty or asylum, but you must be born again. What's the insight there? Now I'll just go, I'm just going to go on in the passage here and then we're going to talk about that for a minute. Um, Verse 4, Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he's old? I feel like I'm in the wrong place. Give me just a minute. When he's old, can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? So what's he doing? God's screaming truth through physical things, through a physical metaphor, and the carnal mind can't understand that. This Pharisee, this Supreme Court judge in the nation of Israel can't go where Jesus is trying to talk. Okay? Now, I'm going to tell you why it is so life-changing to have a good understanding why Jesus said we must be born again. Okay? Do you understand that this particular Entry, the final question on the entry application. <laughs> Screams truths that, is, that are particular to a particular kind of citizenship. Okay? And I'm not one of those, and, and um, when you get your master's or whatever they teach you, you know, you're supposed to do a three-point sermon. Um, three ways to more fully enter the kingdom of God is the message. That, and I usually don't preach that way, but I do actually have three points this morning. <laughs> I'm going to tell you three things that are particular to Jesus' choice to say born again. Okay? The first one is you understand that, um, and actually this is the banner that goes over all three points. You have to be born again to enter this kingdom because this is the kingdom where every citizen is a son of the Father. So it's not random. He chose born again because the only way you enter this kingdom is to be born into the royal family, to become a son of the Father. In other words, what does that mean? In other words, it makes your kingdom citizenship an inheritance. Do you know, you know how big of a deal that is? That, that's not a small thing. You see, you can be a citizen and it's going to get more and more um, astounding. And I, if you're anything like me, it's going to cause thankfulness to blow out of you more and more as we talk here. This is going to be a wild Thanksgiving. You see, being a son, a son of the father of the kingdom, being born into the royal family so that you're a son makes the kingdom citizenship your inheritance. 
It's not just like a legal right or, well, okay, we'll include you. It makes it your inheritance, which changes everything. Let me tell you how it changes it. Um, do you know that it's not possible to be the son of a father and not have every, I suppose it's possible for human, there's all kinds of human fathers, but to not get all that the father has. Do you know that? That's good news. <laughs> That's good news. See, a, a father withholds nothing from a son. In other places in John, I don't know where right now, Jesus talks about his desire is that you're one with him just as he's one with the Father, which if you follow logic, that makes you one with the Father. And then what? He goes on and says, so that you, you get it all. How does it say it? It says, um, it says, all that, he says, all that my Father has given me, I give to you. Other places he says, um, I bestow the king. You're the ones that have walked with me in my trials. I bestow the kingdom upon you. You see, that's inheritance. That's not a citizenship where you just enjoy some rights. <laughs> that's a citizenship of inheritance where all that the Father has is mine. That's... Point number one, we're on this three-point track, okay? <laughs> I'm going to do this once. I'm going to stick to three points. The second one is it puts you into his mercy and favor. That's not any kind of citizenship. You see, you understand, the, um, the son of a father gets the favor and mercy of the father. See, you can, be, you can be in kingdoms that have all different types of citizenship that have nothing to do with having the favor of the king of the kingdom. But when you're in the royal family, you cannot be taking, taken out of the mercy, of the favor. That's our citizenship. That's our heavenly citizenship. It's vastly different than being a non-familial citizen. And then the third one, being born into the family is authority. Do you understand that? It's authority. We are to reign with Christ. That's our citizenship. Now there, uh, again, look at many types of citizenships where you do not share in the authority of the king. <laughs> Do you see that? In our world kingdoms. But when you're a son of the Father, what's that make you? If you're a son of the king? A prince. A prince. <laughs> you're an authority holder in training. That's a good citizenship. And you see why it's so important that it's citizenship by birthright. You don't, you cannot, he has no plan for you to be in the kingdom of God as anything other than his son. Every citizen will be a member of the royal family in this kingdom. Only a son of the father is destined to have the father's authority. All things that are the father's are yours. Um, go back with me to verse 5. We're going to go back into this um, conversation with Nicodemus. And um, he doesn't stop there, okay? He goes on, of course, um, 
No, we'll just, we won't do that. Verse 5 says, Jesus answered, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. So now listen, Jesus is making it clear as he goes on in this conversation that this is a birth of the Spirit. Why? Because the Spirit of God is the kingdom of God. It is the present kingdom of God. Where is the kingdom of God? <laughs> the kingdom of God is within you. It's not a kingdom where you look and you say, here it is, or oh, here it is. He says, it's, he, Jesus tells us, it is a kingdom that is within you. And he says, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Spirit, do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. So he's going, calm down, Nicodemus. Don't be all, don't marvel over this. I'm telling you simple things. I'm telling you that you must be born again. Why? You have to become a member of my family. He goes on, now I'm just, I'm going to do a total disservice. I'm just going to read over some words because we're going to talk about things next week. Next week is even way better. I just want to make sure we end on a really thankful note um, today so that we carry this Thanksgiving into our celebration. But um, these, these next words, Jesus starts talking really strange here. He goes on and says, the wind blows where it wishes and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. Now, I don't know about you. I think them words are a little out of place. And I think we're going to talk about that next week. But he goes on and says, So is everyone who's born of the Spirit. Now, follow me here. What, what did he really just say? He just gave a description of himself of the person of the Holy Spirit of the living God. He gave a description. And don't lose the context. He's talking about citizenship. He's talking about kingdom entry by being born into his family. That's the context. And then he gives a description of himself, and then he says, the Spirit of God, um, no, that's my words. He says, uh, so is everyone born of the Spirit. And what's he saying? Have, have you ever heard the expression um, that people say about fathers and their sons or mothers and their daughters, fathers and daughters? There's the expression, he's just like his father. You've, you know that expression? Now, it always kind of perplexes me. It's usually like when, when it comes to a father and a son, it's usually like when the son's doing something incredibly stupid, like he thinks it's a good idea to do a head dive off of the roof or something, and people are looking going, he's just like his father. But God only has good attributes, <laughs> okay? Okay, so what this is, this is the, he's just like his father. Do you know that you're just like your father? That's what that verse said. When you, when you get this kingdom entry, when the Holy Spirit enters your life, you're just like the father. That's what this is saying. This is how the father is, and so is everyone who's born of the Spirit. See, I, it's happening. Do you see the Thanksgiving is springing out? That's what happened to me this week as I studied over this. Do you know how the conversation goes? I think it goes something like this, and I, th I was thinking about doing a volunteer. Who, yeah, come here, brother. 
Oh, I'm breaking stuff. Okay, just sit right there. Okay. <laughs> this is what I get for sitting there for a <laughs> Here's what we're going to do. I want to illustrate this in a powerful way, okay? You know that Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. You know that's where he's at? In the seat of power, where all authority flows. And, um, and they're having a conversation about James here. Okay? And, um, and so the, and the description of the scene there, the elders are there around the throne of Jesus. Right? And they're talking about James. These, this is a real conversation going on about you. Okay? I believe this. And, and God's there. And they're, they're, looking, they're looking at James and the elders there. They're having this conversation. And God's saying, um, let's give him some more authority. Let's give him some kingdom authority. And they're, the rest of the scene, they're looking and they're going, you know, he, he screws it up about 80% of the time. <laughs> 85? <laughs> And, and the father says, I know. Isn't he wonderful? And like, no, seriously, let's, let's give him some kingdom authority. Let's bestow the kingdom upon him. And like, Ooh, are you sure you're thinking this through? He really messes it up. And he's like, <laughs> and the father says, I know. He's just like me. That's my son. Look at my son. That's the conversation. Well, how much authority should we give him? I mean, you know, given the way that he is. Isn't he wonderful? He's my son. Man, he's, he is, he's just like me. How much authority should we give him? How about the whole kingdom? How about the entire inheritance? <laughs> Has nothing to do with how well he does. You sure you want to give him that? I have a feeling he's going to blow most of it. I know. Isn't he great? He makes me so happy. Give him some authority so I can dance over him. Let's watch him blow this so we can give him, so we can do it again and then, and then watch him manifest the kingdom in world-changing ways. That's, the, that's birthright citizenship. That's my son. <laughs> I'm crazy about him, just like he is. As long as you're here, can I pray for you? It just seems to make Always. sense. <laughs> okay, Father, I thank you for, for James' boldness to come up here and, and be an object lesson of your good, good heart. Um, I thank you that he is your son. And in the name of Jesus, I just pray that this week, this Thanksgiving week, he would have a revelation of his sonship in ways that he never has before that he would experience the filling of authority, even actual physical circumstances that scream the truth of his authority, him being an authority holder in your kingdom. In the name of Jesus, amen. Okay, thanks, brother. Thanks, brother. He might mess it up. I know, but isn't he great? You see, that's how a father is. When Jonah... When Jonah comes, do you think I weigh out like, like well, how much I'm going to give him, how much I want him to have, how blessed I want him to be based on how well he's performing? The heart of a father just says, that's my son, that's my son. He's, he's just, 
just like his father, right? Do you know that's his heart over you? Even when you're blowing it, he's going, man, isn't she great? That's my daughter. Just like me. Okay, I want to I read a Romans, a verse out of Romans here. Romans chapter 1 and verse 20. Y'all know this verse. This is where it says we see God in nature and the things that are made, right? And it says, For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by all things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Now, now listen, I know what we usually do. Um, I know you've all had this experience because you're Coloradans. You've stared out at a mountain, and you've been filled with uh, an awe of a majesty that makes you aware of the presence and the amazingness of God, right? And you stand there and you're like, wow, I, I mean, you just can't stand here and look at this and not know that God is, right? Okay, yeah. Would you, if we were in Kansas or something, we may have a trouble with this <laughs> illustration. But, <laughs> but as Coloradans, we got this. But I want to tell you something. This verse is talking about something far deeper than, than feeling the overwhelming presence of God because of the majesty of the mountain. I want you to pay attention to these words. It says, um, His invisible attributes are clearly seen. Okay, we're talking about the depth of His nature. We're talking about in all created things in the dealings of the world things that are going on physical realities are screaming truth about the creator who set this in place and loves you so much he decided to put you in it okay it's those attributes being understood by the things that are made even as eternal power and godhead so that they're without excuse it goes on and says because now listen to this Although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful. Isn't that peculiar? I mean, did you catch it? I, I know you've read this before, but they did not glorify him as God, but then the peculiar words, nor were thankful. <laughs> Isn't it funny that thankfulness is so intricately connected to man going down a course that is separate from where all authority flows? separate from the blessing of that kingdom citizenship, this thankfulness. And so, so right after it says, it says, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts. Look at how these words are connected. And their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and changed, or other versions say exchanged, the glory what did they exchange? Exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. Do you know what that just said? It says they're exchange, they exchange religion, things that can be made and imaged and repeated and done well, <laughs> done well, done extremely orderly and predictably. Yeah. I shouldn't have said done well. 
I've never seen religion done well. Have you? <laughs> it's in the wild presence of God that things are done well. <laughs> now I'm just, I'm going to, um, I'm going to talk about this thankfulness for a minute that appears in that verse. And I want to tell you, if you want to go this week, go and study the verses that we're going through because we're going to do exactly the same verses in a far deeper, far different way next week. This week could leave some of you in a place where you're kind of like, um, where it doesn't make you feel so great because you're like, oh man, that, that actually feels kind of hopeless. Next week, we're going to go into the depth of God's word and find out why, why it's so ridiculously hard to receive like James just did and like I struggle every day to, to continue to receive my sonship and, and live. Let me put this out there. Do you know that it's extremely possible, in fact, happens all the time for people to be the citizen of a nation or a group or something and have nothing to do with participating in the rights of that citizenship. <laughs> Do you know? That's true. Even in our physical world, um, when, when I was a police officer, I would make traffic stops. And do you know in this country, your, your citizenship in this country means that you're protected against unreasonable search, unreasonable search and seizure of your things. So in these traffic stops, and most of the time I would be assisting like a sheriff's officer or something in my role, um, I'd be watching and they would say, they, they knew there was like, let's say there was drugs or something going on. And i say, got any drugs in the car? And they'd say, no. And then, and then they would say, um, is it okay if I search your car? And they would go, sure. And the next thing you know, they're being arrested because there was stuff in the car. They had no idea of their rights of citizenship, that they had every right in the world to say, absolutely not. Can't come in my car. But you see, it's all the difference in the world to actually be living by the rights of your citizenship as opposed, as opposed to just having them and not living within them. Now in that Romans verse, it stated, nor were thankful. Now, why is thankfulness so incredibly Important. Besides the obvious, besides the fact that you're made to be to to give worship and praise to a good good father. Aside from that, do you know, at least for me, I'm I'm just gonna speak for myself. Thankfulness, like the real thing, when it starts to explode out of me, because I'm like, wow, God, you're so good. It moves me to repentance, and I mean every time. It always causes me to repent. Isn't that peculiar? Thankfulness, being in the presence of such incredible goodness moves us to repentance. Now, let's not be confused, okay? Repentance is not being woefully sorry about stuff. That might be the first step towards repentance but that's but it's not what repentance is repentance is turning from one thing and turning toward another okay repentance is we have areas in our life that are still part of death instead of life are still part of bondage instead of freedom repentance is leaving bondage and moving into freedom is leaving death and moving into life that's that's repentance that's the turning 
In other words, it's moving from a place where you're not living in the this, in this benefits of your birthright citizenship and moving into living in the benefits of your birthright citizenship. Amen? Every week in Living Water Ministry, we're seeing miracles. We are seeing the release of people who could not experience the gift of their sonship in this particular way. And they leave in that citizenship. Now, that's a miracle. We talk about miracles. If you were here... um, if you were here at the missionary dinner, um, you were hearing about miracles, okay? He was telling stories about, in their ministry, people are being raised from the dead. Um, which doctors um, who are filled with demons are being delivered, becoming pastors, and now they're missionaries to the United States, where we need to hear about this manifest kingdom of God. Okay, so you you hear about these, but I want to tell you something. These miracles that we're seeing in inner healing, a person being freed from coming from a place where they they just cannot experience their citizenship, cannot experience their sonship, being beloved, and what the, the receiving of this authority that comes with being a favored son of God being released in the truth of people's identities, um, as far as I'm concerned, that is raising people from the dead. Okay? Okay. Um, Let's talk about birthright citizenship. Um, Go with me to Genesis chapter 25 and verse 12. Actually, I'm just going to start reading here. Um, Here it begins in verse 12 saying, Now this is the genealogy of Ishmael, Abraham's son, whom Hagar the Egyptian, Sarah's maidservant, bore to Abraham. And these were the names of the sons of Ishmael by their names, according to their generations. The firstborn of Ishmael... Now I'm going to stop. I did that on purpose. Um, How many of you... Um, raise your hand if you study your Bible. You don't study your Bible? I'm kidding. <laughs> How many times have you been studying through your Bible and you hit one of these genealogies? <laughs> right? And you start to glaze over, and the next thing you know, you're going, I'm going to read the whole book of Deuteronomy. Skip, skip, skip. Oh, wait, there's something in the middle of this genealogy that has an insight. Okay, skip, <laughs> right? You've done it. Don't look at me like <laughs> But why is there so much poured into it? Why is it there? I almost challenge you, like, the next time that happens, discipline yourself to sit there and read the whole genealogy <laughs> because there's something in it. Do you know why there was such painstaking effort to lay out that genealogy? birthright you have got to be in the family they they went to great effort to lay out 
the need to be in the family. You cannot share in the inheritance unless you're a son of the Father. And this is setting up... Do you know that that's true in such a much deeper spiritual reality than we're reading about here? Do you know why it's true? Do you, do you realize that if you don't, if you are not free, capable, able to have a grasp on your sonship, on the overwhelming, undeniable love of the Father over you as his son, then there's no way that you're participating in the benefits of that love. There is no way you are manifesting the kingdom of that father of this kingdom, of the king of this kingdom, if you don't have a handle on the way that you're loved. If you don't know that you are a son of that king. In, in the spiritual reality, it is far more powerful than the effort they put into these genealogies because it's so important because you cannot share in the inheritance if you're not grounded in the fact that you're in the royal family. Okay, go to Genesis chapter 5, verse 29. Now we're just moving forward. I guess we're in the same chapter. We're just moving on to verse 29. This is um, birthright citizenship, okay? This is the story of Jacob and Esau. Do you know that that's the same conflict? That's the reason they were sending missiles last week because of this split between Jacob and Esau. They're still disputing over whose inheritance this is. Here in verse 29, Now Jacob cooked a stew, and Esau came in from the field, and he was weary. And Esau said to Jacob, Please feed me with that same red stew, for I'm weary. Therefore, his name was called Edom. But Jacob said, Sell me your birthright as of this day. And Esau said, look, I'm about to die, so what's a birthright to me? And Jacob said, swear to me as of this day. In other words, swear to me. Tell me your word that you're going to give me the birthright. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. And Jacob gave Esau bread and stew of lentils. Then he ate and drank, arose and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. You know what that word despised, um, which is bazaar or bazaar, actually means um, to not esteem, to not have esteem for. That's despising the birthright. In other words, holding other things as more valuable or more treasurable, um, in this case, a bowl of stew. I'm going to talk more about that next week, but... Um, Holding things above that birthright. Do you know where um, I've been telling you the physical screams these spiritual realities. The, the physical is just a picture of what goes on. Um, we're seeing that in our nation right now. How much despising of the citizenship or the birthright that we have to be citizens of the United States, you're seeing a despising of that, a complete devaluing of what people like my dad went to war and fought for. Right? The despising. Well, that's what we're reading here. A despising of the birthright. In fact, um, I want to show you. Um, did I give you Hebrews 12? 14? Okay. 
<laughs> I love it. You all are so ready and eager to participate like that. And you know I need help up here. When you see me get all confused, <laughs> keep helping me out like that. Here in Hebrews 12 and verse 14, we're going to see how God feels about Esau. Okay, and this, this gets a little, a little testy. Here it says, pursue peace with all people in holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God. So what is this? I, I should stop and tell you. We're, we're in the middle of a passage here. So we're reading about, basically about instructions about how you are grounded in the kingdom of God. Actually living more in that kingdom instead of the world's kingdoms. Okay, that's what we're reading. And it goes and says, Lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. Now listen lest there be any fornicator or profane person like Esau. Who for one morsel of food sold his birthright. Profane? <laughs> All because what? He didn't value his birthright. And you know we're filled in a world of that. And, and I'll just say, as I prepared for this, I'm, I sat in conviction. I found myself in this thankfulness that was springing out of me of what this birthright is. I found myself convicted of how much I despise my birthright. What kinds of things compete <laughs> with my birthright, with my citizenship? the favor, mercy, authority, the bestowing of the kingdom that he means for me to be manifesting. Is that what I see? Not most of the time. I found myself in deep repentance and it wasn't repentance over like, over like sins of, you know, the nasty, dirty ones that we usually think of, ooh, that's sin. The real sin, the real profanity is the despising of the birthright. Being a son of God and not realizing what you've been given, you might think of the, we're not going to do it today, but the, the, um, the parable of the prodigal son. The despising of the birthright. Profane. Go to um, Romans chapter 9 and verse 10. Here in verse 10 it says, not only this, but when Rebekah also had conceived by one man, even by our father Isaac, for the children not yet being born nor having done any good or evil, that the purpose of God according to election might stand, not of works, but of him who calls. Now I know that's loaded. If that was a flyby, just let it fly on by. It's okay. Um, sometime we'll look in. That's good stuff, but... Um, in verse 12, it says, It was said to her, The older shall serve the younger. As it was written, Jacob I have loved, but Esau I have hated. Is that intense? <laughs> I mean, you really don't read stories of... Let's do this. I have to show you this. Do you realize in the story of Jacob and Esau, if you were looking for the, for the category or the type or the flavor of sin that we normally focus on, 
It was Jacob's. <laughs> Do you realize that? He was a deceiver. He tricked him. He, he, he made schemes with his mother to make this happen. And I mean, all this stuff. I mean, you talk about an ugly story, really. But his heart. <laughs> what was his heart? He was going to do anything for the birthright. He would do anything. He was hungry for the birthright. He did not despise the value of the Father's blessing and the bestowing of the kingdom. He did, every, he did everything else wrong, but his heart was, I will not do without my birthright. <laughs> I'm going to win the birthright. And then you've got Esau where you really don't read much of anything. You read about a lot of uh, weeping and sorrowing and, and despite, despite great weeping and many tears, he could not get his birthright back. <laughs> and yet you read scriptures like this that say, Jacob I have loved, but Esau I have hated. That's actually a quoting of the, out of the prophet Malachi. Hated. He, the father cannot stand when we despise our birthright. When we don't have the value for the inheritance that it's more important than anything else. The kingdom that you bestow upon me, I receive that. My heart is, I am going to have your kingdom. He, he says, he makes us a son so that we can have all that the Father has. And then when we despise that, now think about it. Father's in here, think about it. If your son, you're trying to give all that you have to your son or daughter, okay? You're trying to give all that you have to your children. And when, when they despise that, when they go off on roads that are self-destructive to themselves, that take them to a place where they couldn't, possibly steward the weight of the glory of the blessing that a father wants to give and you go off down this other road that's the despising of a birthright no wonder he hates it why does he hate it because he's crazy about you <laughs> because he goes he goes yeah i see what he's doing i see all that trickery and everything you know, all the all the mess ups every time he gets it wrong isn't he great <laughs> that's my son He's just like me. Let's give him the rest of the kingdom. Let's, let's give him more. Let's put more and more authority in him. More and more joy. Let's bestow the whole kingdom. Isn't he great? Thank you, God. <laughs> That's what it made me say. I got to tell you this. Um, I love preparing for this. I, I, I love that you ask me to spend my time getting to do this. <laughs> but more than ever, this the preparation that I did, and I, it must be God knew I needed it this week. Um, I just began to overflow with thankfulness. And I've thought about inheritance and, and citizenship and being his son before, but when the Spirit of God comes and begins to reveal the real depth of his love for you, you begin to really feel like a son, and you're like, wow, you're like, wow you want to do that for me? It just causes you to explode with thankfulness. And the next thing you know, you're repenting. <laughs> because you're like, 
When you know how good the inheritance is that he wants to put on you and you're despising it. I'm not manifesting the kingdom like that. I know what you want to give me and, and you, you just find yourself turning. You're saying, well, here's, here's a hindrance. I turn from it, <laughs> right? Here's another thing that's keeping me from believing how much he loves me so that I can start manifesting the kingdom and you turn from it. See, thankfulness makes us spring into repentance and repentance is not going, oh, I'm so sorry. That's not repentance. Being really sorry moves you to repentance, which is like, man, I am done with that. I am done with death. I receive the inheritance of the kingdom. Let the kingdom begin to manifest now. Okay? That's, that's what this springs out in you. You have a father that's just looking down at you going, yeah, I saw you mess up yesterday. Isn't he great? <laughs> Isn't my daughter beautiful in her Broncos sweater? <laughs> <laughs> On church Sunday, thank you very much. <laughs> Isn't she great? Don't you love my daughter? Okay, let me see if there's one more thing I need to say here. So next week, I'm just going to give you a forecast, okay? Next week, we're going to go into some things um, that naturally lead from this. We're going to look more at Esau and the despising of his birthright. There's so much insight in it. It's unbelievable. And my prayer is that the kingdom of God is going to be released in ways each one of you has never seen before in your life. Because when we stop despising, when we... You know you don't have the power to just go, I'm going to stop despising my birthright now. You know that? The only way, there's only one way. You know why love is such a big deal for God? <laughs> because that healing love releases the truth of your identity. You know that ministry, it's actually in my report in the meeting after this, um, ministry is not an activity that we engage in. It is your identity free and healthy manifesting the kingdom of God. You can't work hard enough to make that happen. The freedom, the love of a father to a son releases the power of your identity to manifest what God's plan in you have always been, to be in the joy of the kingdom. Exposing the invisible attributes of him. Amen? Amen. Okay, now I'm not going to... Okay. Let me pray for you. Father, I am overwhelmed by your love for me, for us. I thank you this week the way, the way you poured yourself out in love made me explode with thankfulness and made me repent <laughs> for so many things. I ask the same thing in the strong name of Jesus over every person here. Father, I pray that this Thanksgiving week that they would have a revelation of their birthright citizenship, that they would have a release of light and revelation over them in ways that they see their, themselves as your beloved son 
in ways that they never have before. We know that we can spend an eternity growing deeper into the love of being a son of the Father, that we will never fully understand how deep your love goes for us. And I ask you, Father, that this, in, in a spirit of thankfulness, that this week that would just explode in them and that they would see more clearly and experience more deeply than ever before their sonship. Amen. Father, I pray that that would even lead to repentance, that you would grant the courage and the freedom to respond in repentance and begin to turn from things that steal inheritance. In the strong name of Jesus, I bind all spirits that want to keep us in a place where we despise our birthright. And Father, I pray that we would esteem our citizenship in your kingdom, our status as a member of your royal family, that we would esteem that above all things, all competing things in the name of Jesus. And I pray a blessing over their thanksgivings, over their time with family. I pray that you'd pour your spirit into their families and, and that a that a river of love would heal over a multitude of sins, that relationships would be restored in powerful, amazing ways that is your will. Father, I ask that pe people would be brought to your kingdom <laughs> who don't even know that's what they want in these Thanksgiving celebrations. And Father, I bind the enemy who would like to hinder all things. I cancel the assignments of a dark kingdom that is not yours. And in the strong name of Jesus, I pray peace and joy and blessing over every family this Thanksgiving week. In the name of Jesus, where all authority flows from, from that throne, where we are seated with you, we declare these things before a spiritual audience right now in the name of Jesus. Amen.